0: It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just
1: whipped your ass.
0: Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6. look back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me,
1: Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all
0: along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nimza Zor. You can call this... The new world order of wrestling, brother.
1: Welcome everyone to another edition of Reliving the Wars, the podcast where we look back at the Monday Night Wars. We are towards the tail end of 1999 and the WWE is edging in front. Well, I wouldn't say it's edging in front. It's actually like speeding in front. We're seeing a completely new era in the WWE. New main event is with the rise of Triple H. We just covered Halloween Havoc 1999, the first pay-per-view of the Russo era. This was actually WWF No Mercy that we're gonna about to delve into now. This is the first Russo-less um WWF pay-per-view of that era. And we actually found out later on that Jeff Jarrett was working without a contract here. He the as the what what's what's um Hindsight told people some. Did he hold Vince to ransom
0: to do this or... With the Jeff Jarrett situation? Yeah. Pretty much that, yeah. He held him up for money, Ultimate Warrior style, and said, you know, I've got the Intercontinental title. I don't have a contract. Pay me this much just for tonight, and I'll drop the belt. And Vince had no other choice. And supposedly he left right after the match, I think.
1: 100%, yeah. He apparently was... And we see... We find out later, and as you can go back and listen to a Halloween Howick um, uh, episode of Reliving the War, he basically was on Nitro the next night, smacking Buff Bagwell in the head with a guitar, but let's actually get to No Mercy. So we start off with that signature WWF attitude opener, which kicks us into a kind of cheesy yet pretty cool intro that links Triple H or a wartime dictator with footage of bombings interspliced with Triple H attacking various main eventers. Do you reckon they just had a stock footage archive of World War II stuff that they just wanted to get through?
0: I think so. They love going back to it. This was a very dramatic uh, introduction with, yeah, World War II footage. I assume mm-hmm. it was World War II. Uh, and you had the the voiceover. I think it was another Jim Fagan one. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was all about, you know, Austin and Triple H are going to war. Again, we've said how WWE will equate what's happening in wrestling <laughs> to the most serious things that have ever happened. We're talking biblical stuff and now real-life wars. And the Holocaust, maybe, it was very possibly offensive in some way.
1: Yeah, we'd see later on in 2002, and I can't wait to get that bit, where part of, like... Like, the the atomic bomb and, like, the Holocaust is used in the NWO Titantron interspliced with, like, Hogan National because <laughs> mm. of all the devastation and carnage. It's like, oh, Jesus. um. But so we're live in Cleveland, and we don't go to the commentary desk. We go straight into the action. And interesting fact, too, recognize that uh, No Mercy set, what it would evolve to a little bit later on in uh, t- the 2000-era Raw.
0: mm Yeah, it kind of did feel like that. Is this the only time we've seen a setup like this where it did look like a Raw set for a pay-per-view? It was odd.
1: Well, this actually turns into the Raw set because... What
0: I mean? Yeah. uh, Well,
1: because it's still the the old shitty Raw, you know, with the scaffolding on the side. Oh, don't say
0: shitty. I love that. (laughs) But I know what you mean.
1: I always think of this how crappy it looked in WWF Attitude on the PS1. <laughs> yeah, when they no tried to replicate. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. So no mercy. I reckon they probably looked at it on camera and thought, "This looks pretty cool. Let's uh, mm. let's use that every Monday." But yeah, um, Godfather is out, but there is not a hoe in sight. But no, no, they are. They do arrive later to a huge cheer from the crowd. We cross back to JR and King with a quick recap of SmackDown that shows why Godfather has some beef with Midian and Viscera at the moment. They're just ministry cast offs, but mm. they do doing they're, they're playing their role pretty fine.
0: Yeah, they are playing their role. So Midian is transitioned from originally he was a farmer. He was part of the, uh, the Godwins and then he was mm-hmm. Midian just, you know, henchman. Oh no, sorry. I'm Southern justice. Henchman yep. for Jeff Jarrett, Southern guy in a suit. So, then he became a henchman for The Undertaker. So some gothic weirdo. Now they're transitioning all of the gimmicks together because they mention here multiple times that Midian turned down the hose and said he prefers farm animals. So mm. that is now Midian's gimmick. Pervert. It's, it's which transitions crazy. into naked Midian. Naked, so, you know, it's a, a organic yeah. character change.
1: Um, the, the best part is so the godfather asked the crowd if there's any pimps in here as they finish the chance of getting on board the
0: whole train. <laughs> I love something. that every crowd is on board, they're in Ohio, and he's like, Any pimps out there gonna roll a fatty for the godfather? And they're like, Yeah,
1: this is the thing, too. I actually have vivid memories off like me and my friends at like the Macca's in flinders street just basically like you know doing the all about the whole trade (laughs) thing this is something that you could say in public in 1999 as a 15 to 16 year old and no one would bat an eyelid it's a it was a weird time but um godfather tells oh jr drops in a great lineup it's a pimp convention after everyone cheers um godfather tells midian that he doesn't have any farm animals for him so he's here to kick his ass Mm. um it's a one-on-one match but viscera still gets involved on the outside godfather gets the pin on midian but viscera distracts the ref to give midian a two count the crowd chants we want puppies halfway through the match i think all i can say is throughout this entire match it's a pretty nothing match but i'm just thinking viscera is the best manager we've seen uh, during our tenure doing this pod, because he consistently actually manages his talent. He gets involved helping Midian out with cheap shots. He's almost like a, sh- like, it's like he, and it you- makes sense though, because he grew up, like he's an old school sort of dude from the new gen era. He's sort of like doing what a manager should do.
0: That, which is very weird. You're right. Why is Viscera, out of all people, taking his role as a manager seriously? Yeah.
1: Um, If you've ever wanted an indication of how hot the WWF, was in 1999 look at this match because Mm. it's got two jobbers basically and everyone is into it
0: well it's that thing you know godfather was an over character i don't know if jobber was the right term yeah but he's not gonna main event anything you know he'd Mm. win the intercontinental title once He'd always sort of been the mid card mix but yeah the difference of philosophy wcw would throw out two guys with no characters but let them go all out in the ring to get a pop from the crowd, like two cruiserweights with mm. no story. Whereas here WWE was like, here's two lower card guys. You know, they're not going to, they're not Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. They don't really have a story, but we'll give them a short story. So you at least care about this match and they have strong, you know, over the top gimmicks and yeah. it works. It works yeah. as well. This is an opening match. Gets a good reaction. Uh, hypes the crowd up. You get settled into the pay per view. Um, Jr. Also with another great line, calling the women at ringside good natured hoes, which is just <laughs> no one's ever said that sentence before. And Jr. Saying it is the best. They're, oh, those good natured hoes. <laughs> so yeah, not much of a match in the ring, but who cares?
1: Yeah, because when Godfather goes for his uh, goes for his finisher, which is the ho train, hmm. um, which is basically if you don't know, it's just a running splash into the corner. Yeah. Um, and not even a splash. He doesn't even leave, raise his like lift leave the ground. He just runs straight into him. Oh, not a stinger
0: splash. Yeah, he doesn't no. jump. Yeah.
1: He's just he's just doing like a little chugger 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 movement. Mm. And then sort of, but the crowd is Which fully into it.
0: The mm. I just want to say with the chugger chugger, Jerry Lawler doing the chugga when he's getting ready <laughs> to do it is iconic. And Jerry Lawler added so much in the attitude era to people's moves you know he did that he would always react a certain way to the worm he gave us latino heat he gave Mm -hmm. so much stuff jerry lawler did because he was on board with all this crap and you know got it over
1: puppies Um, you know all of it godfather then take also takes out viscera for good measure and then we see the hose dance around referee tim white who faints due to joy I assume
0: (laughs) he tried doing the spot where they roll on him did you see he tried grabbing (laughs) some of them down they weren't on board not tonight he tried
1: they were not a part of that but yeah an inoffensive opener well inoffensive
0: (laughs) very offensive (laughs) politically Um, offensive wrestling wise non-offensive yeah
1: Yeah, we we often use the phrase, it was a different time, and there is no better way to sum it up than with this match. Uh, We then get a video recap of Triple H, who had a rattlesnake bite him on SmackDown. Mm. How weird was this? Um, But no, it was a swerve. He actually had makeup on him, and he beats up Austin from that episode of SmackDown. We then see him on Heat later, uh, uh, earlier in the evening, because Sunday Night Heat was the pre-show. He's recapping his Oscar-worthy appearance about suckering in Austin, um, that he had the rattlesnake bite him. And then, he, t- he the best part I love about this Triple H, he's so smug. He's turned up the smugness to like a million.
0: Yeah, it's kind of weird. He started off as, you know, the blue-blood Triple H Hunter Hearst Helmsley, who's very smug, but in a different way. He then turns into DX Triple H, who's, you know, cool and a rebel. This version of DX, he brings back the smugness, but obviously he's not talking with an accent anymore. He kind of meets him in the middle, and that's what Mm -hmm. the game is. It's every version of this guy up to this point, just the best bits of all of it. The leather outfit with the Harley Davidson backwards cap, this is the game. And eventually later in the night, we'll see him with a sledgehammer as well. This Mm -hmm. is fully formed Triple H here. Like we're we're pretty much there. This is it.
1: Yeah. If anything, the later incarnations is just DLC. Like because <laughs> yeah. like, like,
0: basically
1: throughout to, until he tears his quad, he's the same dude.
0: Yeah, pretty much. That's it. Just you know, maybe the denim and leather. Oh no, but that mm. comes later, actually. I do yeah. want to yeah. say the funniest thing about this recap, though, it's a very good promo. Triple H always very well spoken. But God, this was a sign of the times for Triple H. He rambles so long. They yeah. don't end the promo. They cut it off. <laughs> oh, they don't even replay the whole promo. They like, oh, let's go to something else.
1: Yeah, because he keeps doing his. I'm the game. I'm, and he was actually mocked by The Rock. Like I'm yeah. the game, and then it just goes. I'm going to be the WWF champion. Just cuts, cuts off. Goes to a shot at the exterior of the arena. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. That's, that's a real like, That's, a job that's like a,
1: a. You can tell Kevin Dunn's like you know what this is. We're gonna, just. <laughs> Throw it to an exterior shot. Um, Michael Cole is then with the WWF Women's Champion Ivory, who says that Mueller and May Young haven't been able to find their way back to the home. Um, <laughs> it is fabulous Mueller versus Ivory for the WWF Women's Championship. The best part about this, you mentioned King adding adding so much to the WW, uh, WWF Attitude Era. He's already started with the wisecracks before Mueller is even in the ring.
0: Oh, there's a great one. You know what I'm realizing watching all this back. Well, hmm. You know, when we were kids, we were like, oh, JR's the straight man and Jerry Lawler's so funny. Hmm. Nine, like, not 90% of the time, but a huge percentage of the time, JR is setting him up for jokes. Yeah. I notice it now, but back then I didn't realize they're working together. And now that we know JR's real personality from all the podcasts or whatever. But yeah, JR says, oh, King, this will be one for the ages. And King, without missing anything, says, yeah, the ages of 70 and 80. <laughs> like... <laughs> Neither the of
1: crowd, if the, the crowd's basically sitting on their hands for this match, but King is great. Like everything about the commentary on this match is awesome. There's a, and did you notice there's a massive pop when Ivory knocks May Young off the apron? Yeah, yeah. Like, Look, every, the, the every time silent. she attacks,
0: every <laughs> yeah. time she attacks old people, they pop. They did pop for it eventually, and I thought Ivory in her promo and in the match was very good. She was a great performer especially as a heel. As a face, when they first brought it in, there's there's nothing there. But here as a heel, she's very good. Um, but yeah, Moolah, uh, sorry, Mae Young is a beast. She takes three bumps off the apron. Off the apron, And yeah. just gets smashed, though. She doesn't like, oh, oh, I'll gingerly fall. No, she takes them different every time. She's like Mr. Perfect, just doing a flip, landing on her head, just fantastic stuff. Fabulous Moolah. Mm-hmm. The story of like, oh, this old lady, she's a legend coming back. Oh, that's awesome. With 2023 eyes, it's not awesome because it's Fabulous smaller And we mm. know that, uh, you know, Snickers weren't a fan of hers. So <laughs> for good no, reason.
1: Def- definitely not. Um, As I said, King is having the time of his life here. Uh, there's a great line from JR where he says that Ivory's young enough to be the granddaughter of both these ladies. <laughs> um. Uh, mula gets a a roll up on ivory gets the win and she's the women's champion
0: Uh, yeah she does
1: it's um it's a short short match thankfully and i feel sorry i I, if you really wanted the crowd to get involved they should have piped in the audio like australian indie wrestling show style (laughs) for the commentary um on
0: hate I, i will say this was short and stupid and for the second match on a show You'd be like, oh, where's this show going? But this match did what it had to. It was short, silly, and fun. Like it, it mm. worked.
1: Yeah, and and it kept the kept the crowd interested at least, like yeah. because they popped for the bits they needed to. It was over and done with, they, and then moved on to the next bit, which was uh, another recap from Sunday Night Heat, where I I keep forgetting that Vince is still a face here, and he, he tells he tells um Triple H that. He's in a no holds bard match, which leads to my second favorite Triple H of that era, Outrage Triple H. Because you always like, he starts shaking, like, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. But we get Outrage Triple H and another great thing, passive aggressive Vince, where he's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, give him hell, Triple H, give him hell. And he walks on. <laughs> it's like when he danced in Mick Foley's face to the dude love music. It's Vince McMahon, so say whatever you want, and we can say a lot, but as just as a performer, whether he's a heel or a face or whatever you want him to do, he is the best at it. Like he is one of the best on-screen performers ever, and in this twenty-second thing, he's excellent. Mm.
1: Next up is a match between the New Age Outlaws versus the Hollies. Billy Gunn is fully retconned into <laughs> just being, but like hit the King singles the run.
0: never happened. There was no singles ring happened. tournament in '99. Just the New Age Outlaws, the greatest tag team of all time.
1: Mm. Uh, we see a quick look back at SmackDown when the Rock and Sock Connection won the tag team titles after the Hollies interfered. Now the action starts on the outside. But Road Dog and Crash start off in the ring. Bit of shake, rattle, and roll on Hardcore Holly as Road Dog gets his shit in. Big stalling suplex by Hardcore Holly, which is pretty impressive. Mm. And I, I got to say, like there's still remnants of Billy Gunn single run because they keep referring to him as Mister Arse now
0: and then. Yeah, I never liked Mister so especially when it was just his name. Like stupid, mm.
1: really, really stupid. There's a huge, uh, there's a wicked superplex on Hardcore Holly, um, mm. and get, by Road Dog who gets the hot tag on Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn, even to this day, king of the hot tag.
0: Oh, you—that's where he shines. You know, I think I remember hearing him say he had asthma. That's why like long singles matches were hard. Mm. But hey, for a short sprint, for a hot tag, you tag this guy in. He's going to do every move. He's a cheat code. He does a stinger splash. He does a gorilla press. He does a jackhammer. He's just got all the yeah. moves. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's assigning every move set to you. It's yeah. great. Um, Hardcore Holly. So he gives the jackhammer to, to Crash Holly. And Hardcore Holly slides a chair into the ring. But Cra- but Crash eats the Famouser onto the chair. And the ref sees the chair and calls for the DQ. The Hollies mm-hmm. win.
0: I was so annoyed at this ending because this match was getting good. I was like, oh, okay. Because when it came on, I thought, all right, I don't know. Hardcore's not bad. Crash isn't bad. The Outlaws are always good, especially in, you know, tag match where their faces. I thought this could be fun. It is such a shame. It only goes for 10 minutes, but it, there's not much there. I feel like with five more minutes, this could have been a legitimately really good tag match.
1: Yeah, Yeah, very much so. It's weird, too, how... 2000 is the like this year, this and and 2000, when the hollies as a family unit, you know, with um, with Miss Madness coming over from WCW as Molly Holly, like that's the best hardcore Holly, like it's peak hardcore Holly.
0: Well, it's either that or the big shot, you know, <laughs> yeah. where it's gonna team with Big Show. Thank God that didn't happen, but yeah, yeah, him with Crash, Crash being like the funny guy, really at least made. Hardcore being the straight man means something,
1: yeah. And Molly being like you know the good Southern Belle kind Mm. of character as well. It was such a weird juxtaposition, but it just worked, and that's just like it's weird. Mm. Um, we then have we we get to the Good Housekeeping match. We see a recap of Unforgiven '99 and China beating Jarrett, but the decision getting reversed. The next night on Raw, China beats Jarrett to get a shot at the IC title, which we see here. Jarrett comes out with the kitchen sink. So this good housekeeping match is you can use any household items as weapons. Mm. So I'm going to stress that, bold it, underline it, highlight it. Uh, Jarrett comes out with the kitchen sink. China still has Triple H's music, and she but she's out with a broom and a dustbin.
0: Um mm. she starts Because China match- is a face at this point, but Triple H yep. is a heel.
1: Mm. It's a weird little thing, and China's got a different Titantron, hmm. but still has her music.
0: But we saw in the recap earlier with Triple H and his, you know, oh, I killed the snake, and you know, Austin's trick didn't work. China is still with Triple H; she's yeah. just yeah. the face in this feud because of Jeff Jarrett.
1: Ah, hmm. uh, so China starts off the match, drags Jarrett to the outside. She absolutely unloads on Jeff with a bunch of household items. At one point, she even smacks him with a toilet seat lid. Then force feeds him a banana.
0: Yep, and then she smacks and, him with a fish. But
1: this JR was... has the best oh, line. Yeah. When, it, when, when she feeds, him it feeds the banana, JR just randomly drops in, well, that's full of potassium.
0: Yeah, that's full of potassium. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett, credit to him. He was up for doing anything silly in this match. Didn't care. Uh, it's just a fun match. Their match at Unforgiven was good in ring. This one mixes that with stupid hardcore wrestling dumb weapons but it makes sense because of the it
1: makes sense yeah. the
0: feud and the rivalry and you know or you it's also I belong in the kitchen here's all this you know food.
1: JR and King are slightly sexist too when they say it's the first time China's seen an
0: ironing board is that sexist no because ah, she doesn't true, yeah. believe in gender stereotypes you know true, what I love true. though JR I caught you JR he clearly had some jokes ready and one of them he knew they were going to use eggs, so he mm-hmm. says, "Oh, you know what they say? You got to break a few eggs to make an omelet." But he says it too early. He says it when they do a spot with uh, just some milk and yeah. some flour, and then later when they use eggs, he says it again with the exact same cadence. He sounded yeah. like a video game where they're like, <laughs> "Rock bottom, yeah, rock a dev- bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah if devastating, yeah, devastating, rock if bottom."
1: If you've ever heard his commentary in WWF Warzone, that's exactly the same thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, it, it's a real shame. Um but anyway, aside from that, King and and JR had great commentary in this too.
1: Yeah, the crowd is absolutely behind China here and um Jarrett gets some tongs off the top rope, but China blocks it, gets the tongs and then uses the tongs to grab Jarrett by the nuts.
0: Mm, a great Jarrett spot. Then-
1: Oh, it's fantastic. And Jarrett then gets pied. No, no, sorry. China gets pied. It hits Jarrett with the kitchen sink. We get a ref bump as China attempts a pedigree, but Jarrett nails it with the IC belt, gets the three count and the win.
0: Mm. Or does he? Mm. The old dusty finish here. I thought this was really good because the crowd bought it and they would have thought, ah, oh, two months in a row, you screwed China. You know, she didn't win last time because of a ref reversing the decision, but not this time because Teddy Long is the referee. Mm -hmm. Teddy Long says, hold on a minute, player. And he says, the Intercontinental title (laughs) isn't a household item, which is a great stupid technicality. (laughs) It's not a household item, so you can't use it in this match. So the, the match restarts. And what I liked, they restarted it, but didn't drag it on. He gets back in the ring, pretty much instantly gets a guitar shot, and mm-hmm. it's over. China is the first ever female intercontinental champ. Huge pop, and i got to say, watching it in twenty twenty three, this is still a huge moment, a yeah. historic moment. It still felt big, you know. They pulled it off. This was really, really good. And
1: dare I say it, I like this match better than the Unforgiven one, just because oh, of the, the wackiness. I,
0: I, <laughs> this, this was the only one I remember. I didn't remember they had one before. Both yeah. of them are good. What a good series of matches. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett and China.
1: And just to add insult to injury, Miss Kitty then leaves with China.
0: Oh yeah, which it means something eventually. But so uh, we we're just saying how Jeff Jarrett was up for everything in this match and willing to be, you know, humiliated and whatnot. Hmm. I just found some uh some notes on how much he was paid and what the uh oh, yeah. the situation was. So basically Jeff Jarrett's gripe was that he thought. $150,000 was what WWE owed him in sort of back pay for a bunch of uh for a bunch of matches that he did or you know over the years so then on the night he found JR and said um, he requested 300000 instead of the one fifty, and it was oh. basically a move of alright well what are you going to do otherwise I just <laughs> won't do the match if you don't Uh, And he said that JR said, all right, I'm going to go talk to Vince McMahon. He reckons Vince McMahon came up to him, pulled out an envelope from his pocket, just (laughs) handed it to Jeff Jarrett and just said to him, thank you. I appreciate it. Now go tear the house down. Wow. And Jarrett said, yes, boss, looking forward to it. And he reckons he did the match and then he left with that in his pocket. And he said he was freaking out because, yeah a check for 300 grand and that's 1999 and that's american money that's a lot of money
1: that is crazy jeff jarrett just like running into a like a thrift a a thrift rental car to get to the next town so he could make nitro (laughs) like
0: with with all that cash (laughs) (laughs) that's why jeff jarrett would have gone to wcw where they gave him a good you know a good uh deal as well he would have felt almost untouchable What's the worst that could happen? He's not yeah. going to go broke. Jeff Jones can- is still the ultimate hustler, though. I don't know. He just ends up with jobs. He'll go anywhere. He'll do anything. They'll take him back. He's screwed over WWE like twice, and they don't care.
1: He starts his own company, sells that company, starts a new company that then, in global force wrestling, then sells it to the company he originally yeah. created, gets put in the WWF Hall of Fame. Yep. Works SummerSlam, <laughs> then works Ric Flair's last match, then joins AEW, where in 2023 Jeff Jarrett has had more matches than Kenny Omega. That's
0: what he does. He's the real best bout machine, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> he also had that gold company for a while. That's right. Global Force Gold. Global Force Gold. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett, the ultimate carny.
1: He is just it's absolutely sensational, and we and we can say that too because we've actually had personal
0: dealings with Jeff Jarrett. Oh, he was absolutely it seemed like a an lovely absolute pleasure. Guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what's a, the the what's a shame in in AEW? We never got Jeff Jarrett versus CM Punk. I legitimately oh. think their promos and match would have been fantastic.
1: I just want. I just please, just. I want to see Jeff Jarrett just win the ring of honor world championship <laughs> just to watch the world burn. <laughs> um, so next up, it is a recap of the bulldog versus the rock. And i got to say as a kid, one of my favorite feuds from, from uh, the bulldog second run, probably one of his only notable ones. <laughs> well, yeah, but I was going to
0: say, name another one. I,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true actually. But um, I just liked it because like I was a massive heart foundation fan, loved the rock. And I love that.
0: It's two eras colliding. Isn't that weird that it felt like two eras colliding, even though the, you know, Bulldog was only a few years younger. Like he's not mm. that old here. He's like maybe in his early forties or something. He just feels like it's from the wrong time.
1: I think That's it's weird. because you, like if you've ever seen like the 1991 Royal Rumble, like he's a, like he's a big dude back then.
0: Yeah. Well, he was that- WrestleMania two. Yeah, you know as one true. of the bulldogs it feels weird that he's still here <laughs> it's just he was so young back then but mm. look the feud I didn't like it as a kid with you know the tray of poop I thought yeah. even as even as a kid I was jeez how old I was 12 and I yeah. thought oh that's the, the rock isn't cool here like what's he doing but in the same feud and in the same video package we get the sliding Black shoes, people's Jesus. elbow. One of the best people's <laughs> elbows ever. It's Where he throws so the
1: sunnies in the crowd.
0: Throws the sunnies, untucks the stupid, you know, <laughs> like fancy t-shirt and slides because he's got dress shoes on for the elbow. Amazing.
1: <laughs> um. So we get a massive ovation for The Rock and the Bulldog has clearly decided to ditch the old school tights that he rocked at Unforgiven. Sticks with some jeans. That would be his look for 99. Mm-hmm. Jerry Lawler points out that The Rock isn't wearing his tag team title. And i got to say, this is one of the better showings that we've seen from 99 Bulldog. There's a little bit of sloppiness in this match, but um, uh, a power slam gets two as The Rock puts his foot on the ropes. Bulldog goes for another power slam, but The Rock reverses it into a rock bottom. People's Elbow gets the win. It's a short match. It's inoffensive, and it gets the job done.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I said it's a simple match, not bad, just a TV-style match. That's good. It's two guys who are good wrestlers. Um, but between this and Billy Gunn, they really thought The Rock was a miracle worker in 99. <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to give you Billy Gunn and Bulldog. Um, yeah. Bulldog is good. You know, Billy Gunn's good too. But some guys just, look, you got a ceiling. Uh, this was fine. And the ending though, when he hits The Rock bottom and then the people's elbow, the crowd goes up like five levels. They go nuts. Like, Mm. I know Austin is considered, like, the guy in the Attitude Era, but I don't know. Mid-99 and then when Austin's gone into 2000, The Rock was on that same level. He carried the WWE and ratings, you know, went higher and blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's just a runoff or a coincidence. The Rock was a huge star. Survivor Series
1: 99. Survivor Series 99, I reckon, that is the apex of Rock,
0: where he's absolutely
1: white hot. I hate that show. It's I'm such so a annoyed. shit show. <laughs> it's it's really such easy. a shit show. And I was actually so pissed off as a kid. I still remember coming back from school and seeing the results of what happened. And just, like, I remember, like, closing Netscape Navigator in anger. Be like, of the
0: like." <laughs> oh, I know. But, I'm so
1: annoyed. But uh, let's get to the next match, which is this is well first up before we get to the next match uh there's a recap of the king on sunday night heat where he asks terry runnels about what the tag teams need to do to win the terry invitational tournament and in the process as she demonstrates climbing the ladder he just blatantly looks up her skirt
0: Mm. yeah look i don't want to say she was asking for it but she's clearly egging him on in this segment that's kind of the gag here the Terry Invitational Tournament, the TIT, the last remnants of Vince Russo here. Uh, Mm. A tag team best of five series between Edge and Christian and the Hardys. The winner would get, what is it, $10,000 and Mm -hmm. the managerial services services of Terry. Well, JR kept saying services as a manager, but King just kept saying, no, no, the services. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Which says a lot about Jerry Lawler when you think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So the best part about that I love that you forget, especially now since everything's so diluted in AEW and WWE and Impact and the indies, it's the first ever tag team ladder match, this Mm -hmm. one. Yep. Um, I don't know where we're going to, how we can recap this because it is just, it's balls to the wall. Uh, I did laugh though when JR says two sets of brothers going at it.
0: Well, he had to, you know, they're both brothers. We all thought that as kids. Um, I thought it was funny that this is what, I think the last time, because they all turned face, you know, the next Mm. night, But Matt and Jeff being the brood with Gangrel, it's barely remembered. I thought it only lasted like a week. It's been longer than that. It's a few months. It just never clicked. They don't seem right. They don't look right. Gangrel has lost some luster because of that because he's with them it's just too forced you know it didn't work with michael hayes either the hardy boys are very close and it's after tonight that it makes sense
1: and i don't know if you noticed too or what it was like because i was i was watching the downloaded pay-per-view uh rip of it but um they don't use the brood's music they use the brood's entrance but they use the hardy's music
0: oh do they um yeah I can't remember what it was on binge anymore. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so there you go. So you're right. It's the new brood. In fact, I reckon they were the new brood longer than they were with Michael Hayes.
0: They probably were.
1: But I think Michael Hayes, he was there with them for months.
0: I think this whole run is with Michael Hayes and Gangrel was like one week or something. But yeah, Mm. it's weird. I will say the crowd is dead for the start of the match. But then when they get ladders, The crowd gets louder and louder because, again, you said it's the first time. This is the first time we're seeing spots that would become iconic and then would be recycled and then would be done to death. Jeff Hardy does his leapfrog from the corner over the ladder into a leg drop. The pop Mm -hmm. is delayed because the crowd has no idea what they've just seen. Then they stand up and give it a standing ovation. They give Mm. Christian a standing ovation Doing the reverse DDT off the ladder onto, I think, Matt. Like the crowd has no idea that you could do this in a ring. What about
1: there's another bit too where Edge drop kicks into Jeff Hardy with a ladder, who then Matt Hardy then flies into Edge off the top rope. Um, sorry, he flies into Edge, taking him out. And then Christian runs off the top rope corner to the outside of the ring to take out Matt. There's another cool spot where Christian wedges Jeff into the corner with the ladder, runs up at Kofi Kingston, Money in the Bank style, and drop kicks Jeff. Mm. Jeff Hardy also does, um, like you mentioned, the huge uh leg drop off the off the um ladder onto Christian. Then they sandwich Christian in the ladder, mm. and Matt does a moonsault onto the ladder. Yeah, there's just so much going on. They uh, do the sandwich
0: Ed- spot. Edge and Christian get Jeff in between the ladder and smash it ten times. Edge and Christian also
1: baseball slide a ladder straight into the crotch of Matt
0: Hardy. That's a great spot. That's one of those ones where I don't know, like, okay, maybe you could fall off a ladder, but how do you take that? How do you even prepare for it?
1: (laughs) And you're right. The crowd is eating everything up. At this point in time, they're they're blown away.
0: The most vicious move they do, and it's one we would see, you know, poor um, Joey Mercury pay for years later. They do a version of like the seesaw spot where one guy jumps off the corner, the ladder seesaws off another and hits two of them in the face. They protected themselves here, but it just looks brutal. And the crowd has no idea how to react to that either. They just go crazy. The crowd is going crazy for these moves.
1: So Jeff jumps off the top rope onto the ladder that's balancing like a seesaw that catapults upwards Mm. and takes out Matt and Christian. Like you said, the, the crowd is literally they it's like the best way i can describe it is is if someone said to you it's like hey look i've got a new color and
0: you're, yeah. you're, just, blown, and yeah. you're just blown away by like i don't know what this is it's back to the future when yeah. you know when he plays the guitar solo and <laughs> is like oh you know that new style you've been looking for this is hmm. basically it people in the 90s have never seen this this crap before it's-
1: so there's a very cool ending to this match. Uh, we can't do this match justice in recapping it because there's, there's that much going on, but the ending is very cool. You have all four men on both ladders. Edge pushes Matt off one of the ladder. He ricochets into the other one with Christian. They As that ladder tips off, Jeff jumps onto the original ladder and then knocks Edge off that ladder. He climbs up the ladder to get the money and then... Yanks the the briefcase, not briefcase. Yanks the bag of money off and falls to the ground, in what is now reused as the animation when you win a ladder match. Yep. in a SmackDown game,
0: falling like a sack of shit and yeah, sort of like and rumbling like, yeah. on the ground. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, that like is... you've just
1: been, like you've just been uppercut into the pit in <laughs> Mortal Combat.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's been the animation forever. And I also love that it's a a sack of money. Like from a Looney Tunes cartoon yeah. or like a 1920s gangster film. Like, give me all your money in the bank. It's a sack of money. Um, A fantastic match. Look, there's no selling. There's no story. There's no psychology. It's just moves. They just get up from everything and do it again. But you know what? It was the first of its kind. So who gives a shit? Like, yeah. no one had seen this. They weren't planning on doing it every week. This was a one-off. And look for what it was and what it still is. I think it still holds up. I know it we see crazier stuff, but a fantastic match and sort of the beginning of the the nineties boom for well, not the nineties. That's unfair. We had the New Age Outlaws, but the next boom of tag team wrestling in the WWE.
1: Yeah, um, and and I reckon it's better, um, than the stuff that we see today because of the crowd's reaction. Because they're that they're that wired into it, like oh my god, like what is this? the The fact that Terry uh, celebrates with the Hardys backstage, but Edge and Christian get a standing ovation to the point where the next night on Raw, all four men have everyone yeah. in the arena give them a standing ovation. This is the this is the match that made Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys. Mm-hmm. Add the Dudleys to it next year, and whew, hell of a mix. It is. Uh, we see a recap of Heat from tonight where mankind's looking for the rock. He bumps into the hollies and sneaks in a plug for his book. This is just basically extended plugs for Mick Foley's book.
0: Yeah. And he goes into the toilet. He thinks the rock is in the toilet, but something stinks and he's like, Oh, rock. Oh, that really smells. And he slides the book under the toilet. He then runs into the rock and he's like, Oh, did you get my book? And the rock's like, what are you talking about? And he's about to turn it sideways on him. Like he does (laughs) the whole thing. He's like, next time you have a book. Open the front page, sign your name, blah blah blah. It's pretty good, and then the and Foley's like, "Oh no, I really like my book. Don't say that about it." And then yeah.
1: and then Foley goes back into the toilet. Turns out it wasn't the rock in there. Shock horror! It was actually Val Venus who beats up mankind, and then in the ultimate heel move, steals the book.
0: <laughs> steals that book.
1: Gotta say, Simon, you and I, we we've both had very illustrious and still do have very illustrious radio careers. The shilling for Mick Foley's book is next level in this pay-per-view, but um, we then get to um, we head back to the ring. The Rock's music kicks off, and he's out without his tag belt again, and he says he's got a challenge for the winner of the main event tonight that he will face them. Just, again, The Rock is so over here, and I fully agree with you that he's the biggest star in the company right now.
0: Yeah, the Rock Cut's a great promo here. The crowd's going nuts. They don't care that they've seen him before. They act like they've never seen him in their life. Uh, They love everything he does. And yeah, he says he's going to challenge the winner. He goes to the back. So yeah, he's going to challenge the winner of the main event for the title. But he gets attacked by Triple H with a sledgehammer at the apron. Full Triple H using a sledgehammer. He's got oily hair. But then um, Val Venus comes out with the book. And now we yeah. have to watch Valvinus versus Mick Foley.
1: I did I did like how JR J. is so livid at uh, at Triple H. Not quite the son of a bitch levels, but he's just so borderline, you know, the man's got a family, yeah, like somebody stopped the damn match kind of levels here.
0: Yeah, he's getting there. He would learn to hate Triple H more than anyone.
1: Hmm. Uh, you mentioned, yeah, Val Venus comes out with mixed book. JR sneaks in another plug for it. Mankind's music plays, but he's still at the back consoling The Rock and says he's going to beat Val Venus just for The Rock.
0: Mm. And what about, uh, we should mention, for the first time on a pay-per-view, Val Venus has a match, but he doesn't cut a promo because he's no longer the fun-loving porn star Val Venus. He's now basically Triple h
1: He's yeah. he's mid card Triple H. Yeah, I don't know. Serious <laughs> Venus.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: no. Um. So, uh, I've even mentioned here Val's less of a porn star than he used to be. Mankind finally gets his hand on Mister Rocco, mm-hmm.
0: uh, which is uh, a sock with the rock on it.
1: It also has one of the one of the best promos from SmackDown, and look it up if you if you're listening at home. And you want to see just how this feud. The Rock makes this little feud work because it's it's a little four way interaction between The Rock, Mankind, Al Snow, and Val Venus. And when Mister Rocco gets stolen, Mankind go goes like groveling up to The Rock and all like, "Oh, uh, Mister Rocco's gone." And The Rock asks Mankind, "Who has taken? Who has Mister Rocco?" He goes, "Val Venus." He's like, Mm. and, and and The Rock goes. Who in the hell is Val Venus?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, there, there basically goes his uh, main event career.
1: Mm. So uh, Mankind gets his hands on Mr. Rocco, but it's quickly returned down the pants of Val. He gives a belly to back suplex to Mankind, dumps him on his head through a chair. Mankind gets the mandible claw on Val Venus, but Val gets out of it by smacking his head into the ring post in a kind of vicious, vicious side to Val Venus, which is kind of cool. Uh, Val goes for the money shot, but Mankind rolls out the way and the crowd wills him to his feet. We see a double arm DDT on Venus, but he kicks out a two. Mankind pulls out Mr. Socco. Venus pulls out Mr. Rocco. Socco gets a mandible claw on Val Venus, and Val Venus gets a testicular claw on
0: Mankind. And they call it as such, they call it as the testicular claw.
1: JR says that about 60 times. Both men pass out, but the hole's still locked uh-huh. in. But because Mankind is on his back, the pin is counted.
0: So stupid.
1: Incredibly stupid. It's one of the stupidest things you'll ever see. But (laughs) post-match, Mankind gets Mr. Rocco back and his book as well. And he goes, home
0: happy. Yeah. The only things I'm going to make note of here was with a straight face and serious voice, JR, when they pull Rocco out of Valvenas' tights, He says, look at the size of that thing. Uh, We know what you're doing, JR. Um, King also says, um, and this is a pretty good joke, a good old-fashioned joke. I'm sure it's from a joke book. But King says he's spoken to women who have seen McFoley naked, and they've all said, wow, and your feet are so big. I think that's a pretty good joke. That's pretty funny. That's a very
1: Abbott and Costello. Yeah.
0: Show. And look, the match picks up steam right at the end, but the ending is so stupid that it just, yeah, for me, I was like, I can't get into it. There's also a great conversation between King and JR where JR keeps putting over Foley's book in the same way he would put over someone's football career. And mm. King gets sick of it. And he's like, oh, yeah, what about Val's movies? He's made movies. You know, <laughs> Foley hasn't done that. And then he's like, all right, JR. He's like, if that's so impressive, he goes, why do people... He Yeah, no, he asked him the question. He says, all right, JR, do you think people watch more movies than read books? And JR has to sadly agree. Like, he's being checked <laughs> out. He goes, oh, yeah, I guess you're right, King. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> and then I looked it up. It That's such a childish argument where you use a stat that obviously can't be beat, mm-hmm. you know? Like, oh, well, what if it was Superman? Yeah, anyway, <laughs> yeah. If you're interested, the average person watches TV for around 2 hours and 51 minutes while reading for no more than 16 minutes and 48 seconds during an average day. So well, Jerry Lawler is right. People watch TV more than they read books. But then again, what's the average time of watching the Valvena-style movie compared to a reading a <laughs> book? Could be shorter than 16 minutes.
1: <laughs> Your mileage may
0: vary. <laughs> Exactly. um we then can't cut... find those stats they might be somewhere <laughs> they
1: could be and I don't really want to talk to the, to the uh, the sample size <laughs> or a focus group <laughs> um so the rock uh, we cut back to the rock with emts and this made me laugh for whatever reason where jr sensibly asked why haven't they taken him to a hospital yet <laughs>
0: you know what they cut three times to the rock backstage and jr's like why won't this man go to a hospital <laughs> he couldn't afford the healthcare." Uh it was it's you're right there's like four
1: segments where until eventually obviously someone's on the headset say just said that the rocks refused
0: it <laughs> yeah. and poor rocky has to sit there it's like oh, oh just like yeah, just, just, oh, just noises
1: just grunting like a non-playable character in grand theft auto <laughs> yeah So um, we then get a recap of the Acolytes beating up Kane on SmackDown and x Park coming for the save. We're seeing the Acolytes slowly transition and I'm talking slowly at a Glacier-like speed. I mean, Glacier like the big iceberg, not Glacier from WCW. (laughs) Um, Away from, you know, ooh, spooky ministry to the APA.
0: Yeah, I think by Royal Rumble 2000, they're straight up ass kickers. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure because they wrestled the New Age Outlaws, and I think they're just like these two badasses who, you know, they like playing cards and drinking beer. We're close to the real APA. Um, yeah. but they're kind of turning into that, but yeah, so slow. Uh, we got, this is weird. I honestly thought Vince Russo was still writing this show. These must have been his leftover notes. His
1: leftovers, yeah.
0: I actually said at the end of the last match, I'm like, Russo can't leave quick enough because of the double <laughs> claw but this match isn't a tag match it's a fatal four way with two tag teams
1: it's it's not a fatal four way it's a four corners match because oh, sorry, it's like it's
0: elimination
1: it, it's it now for those playing at home and if you've played wwf attitude you're well aware of the different like the tiny little asterisks <laughs> that sort of come with these sort of match types because the difference between like like a triangle match is different from a three way dance because or a triple threat because uh, two. There needs to be two pins to win. Whereas, in this one, there also needs to be there needs to be three pins to win.
0: Yeah, it's not one fall to a finish. You have to eliminate all of your opponents mm. here.
1: Yeah. So it's Kane versus X Park versus Farouk versus Bradshaw. Kane and X Park come out separately, but the acolytes come out together. Mm, X Park really. Oh, you go. Uh,
0: I was just going to say they all come out separately because this match is about. X-Puck trying to prove himself against the three giants. giants. Did you notice in the introductions, they would never do this for a tag team. They don't do it in the previous tag team. So X-Puck, oh, you know, from Minnesota, weighing at 180 pounds, Kane, weighing at 300 pounds. The APA come out and Howard Finkel had to break tradition. And he was like, oh, coming into the ring. He gave their weight for a tag team and it sounded so clunky because he was like, the, weighing in at 290 pounds and 280 pounds, <laughs> yeah. respectively. He actually had to say yeah. respectively, the acolytes Baruch and Bradshaw. Like, yeah. Just don't do it. Like, you know when they don't give heights for anyone, but yeah. they give the height of the big show all the time. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Just just leave it at that. Mm. Um, so um, X-Pac really does seem out of his depth in this match and they've done well to sort of put him put like he's in the land of the giants uh, everyone is just starting off the match just fighting each other but orders assume Bradshaw and Kane are the two legal men to start off there's a blind tag as Kane faces X Park and X Park provokes Kane to attack him which is a pretty bad idea because Kane just flattens him <laughs> until Bradshaw tags in uh, mm. and there's even a cool little bit where the acolytes are actually just beating the shit out of each other
0: Oh, yeah, they're one of those tag teams who they don't care if you tag them both in. You know, they love to fight, so they go at it.
1: Yeah. um, They are both on the same page, though, because they double-team X-Pac briefly. Uh, the match then just, it. I don't know about you,
0: but it slowed to an absolute crawl for me. It did in the middle, which is a shame. It picks up again at the end, but while they're mm-hmm. all still in there for a few minutes, they don't know what to do. It feels like they're filling time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, Kane pins Bradshaw. Uh, sorry, Kane. Um, it, the, as the match does slow to a crawl, Kane tags himself in instead of X Puck, and then goes on a rampage. Kane pins Bradshaw to get the first fall, but then he walks into a spinning kick off the top rope from X Puck, gets eliminated himself. X Puck and Farouk are the final two, and it spills to the outside. But X Puck gets the win as he reverses Farouk off the second rope, doing a quick little like double axe handle or something into an I can't imagine for it going to be doing a spear. <laughs> uh but he reverses it into an X-Factor to get the win and prove that he belongs with the big dudes.
0: Yeah, once once we get from that first elimination like the Chokeslam onwards, it's not a bad few minutes, the story is good. At least you get the happy ending with X-Pac winning and overcoming mm-hmm. everyone. There are some good reactions in there especially for X-Pac. It just did drag in the middle. Like definitely We've seen X buck have so many good matches. This isn't one of his best.
1: Yeah, very and it's much not so.
0: because of him, but yeah, just yeah, is what it is.
1: Um, next up, it is another one of the Rock. Oh yeah, just just writhing in pain again.
0: <laughs> he calls the doctor a son of a bitch.
1: Mm. <laughs> He's getting his ribs taped up. The universal sign of. Internal injuries, yeah. DDP style. Uh, and he's still refusing to go to the hospital. We see a recap of Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Triple H of what led us to this no holes barred match. Began with Triple H taking out Austin at SummerSlam. And it's a great flashback to H Block X's track from WWE The Music Volume 4.
0: Thank you for mentioning it because we have to talk about H <laughs> Block X from WWE The Music Volume 4. Arguably one of the greatest. WWE uh compilation. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good. So of course, <clears> H <throat> block X, is that how you pronounce it or is it H blocks?
1: Well, the 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 X is unless it, or it could be H block 10. <laughs>
0: it's actually how would you say a K and an X back to back anyway? Yeah. H blocks? Whatever, whatever their name is. <laughs> they had that song, you know, The Power, which is like a sort of a remix of, you know, I mm-hmm. got the Power by Snap. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, it's like the new metal version but yeah their version on uh wwe the music volume four it's a special song written about stone cold steve austin
1: Mm. which also which i remember when buying wwe the music volume four Mm. that was an instant skip for me when i dubbed that onto cassette to listen to on the train i didn't put that one on there
0: Uh, Man, do you i don't know like what years you had pay tv that they used to play the video for that quite a lot on like Headbanger's Ball, this and... um, metal on V. And it's a terrible song.
1: I'm yeah, just watching the
0: video to remind myself. It's absolute garbage. And there's a giant Steve Austin. He's like a a Godzilla. And he's like walking through a, a city and like breaking it down while H-blocks sing to him on the top of mm. the building. It's stu- as stupid as it sounds. It's not a good song.
1: It's, it's almost as stupid as the video clip to Breaking Points One of a Kind with uh, RVD, <laughs> yeah. where, where I don't know if you recall it. It was basically um, they're in a bar and RVD comes in in his ring gear, but he's wearing jeans mm. <laughs> and it ends up with them doing a drag race that RVD loses. So obviously they were racing for pink slips because RVD throws his keys in the air, then spin kicks it and the guy catches it from uh, Breaking point.
0: Okay, I have to watch that again. That is amazing. It's can I just can I just say I found a legitimate review of WWF the Vol the Music oh, volume this be good. on allmusic.com. It's only four lines. I might as well read the whole thing. <laughs> um, so this was written uh written by Stephen Thomas Earlwine. He says right. WWF Music Volume 4 certainly has an audience. If the oh, where is it? If the consistently high ratings of televised WWF matches are any indication, for all the wrestling nuts out there, this album includes the entrance music for favourites like Big Show, Corporation, Test. They're the three favourites he picked. Mankind, Steve Austin, d Mr. Us, and The Undertaker. Anybody else pretty much knows not to bother in the first place. Two stars.
1: Well, i tell you what. He can go suck a fat one because this <laughs> went to four. This went to number four in the billboard charts.
0: Did it really? That yeah. Was...
1: Yeah. It is absolutely wow. crazy. It's actually, I'm actually looking at the Wikipedia page. Number four in the US billboard two 200 number 17 in Canada, number, sorry, number five in Canada certified platinum by the RI uh, by the record industry Association of America with sales of over a million units. Wow. It was the second WWE album to sell a million copies and has sold a total of 1.13 million copies. Uh Jeez. where is it? Da, 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 da. Um my my favorite thing is the tracks that he chose out of all of them. Test a great one, but the absolute banger on that is D-Lo Brown's Danger at the Door. Yeah, I'm
0: sorry, like legitimately <laughs> I'm looking at the lineup, you got, you know, Jericho, Big Show, blah blah blah. Danger at the door, Dylan Brown, Steam Music. That's the one me and my brother would listen to the m- most. Oh, same. the same best. Oh, and really, that... let's face it. No chance in hell is a certified classic. Like, mm-hmm. what most songs can't get that reaction played in an, an arena where eighty thousand people will sing along to it.
1: And the other part too, it also Christian singles theme, which is also included in um, WrestleMania two thousand. Yeah is on here as well. Actually, I cannot for the life of me think of when Christian has used that
0: theme. He barely ever did. I swear yeah. he never did. You know what? I'm going to take tell that guy his review is garbage. Even yeah. if you don't like 90% of the songs, the other top percent, you've got My Time, mm-hmm. you've got Danger at the Door, the Delo Brown one, and you've got No Chance in Hell. Those three songs alone make this a better album than I reckon most albums that came out in 1999.
1: Yeah. To give you to give you an idea of how hot the WWE was, when WWF the Music Volume Five came out two years later, it peaked, it entered the charts at number two. Damn. Pretty crazy. Mm. Absolutely crazy. WWF the Music Volume Five is actually pretty good as well. Cause it, it opens with the game uh, by Motorhead. Uh, and okay. then and it's even got um The uh, oh, it's got some great tunes on here. (laughs) Rowdy by K. uh, K. Quick's Rowdy. That's a good one. Um, Leader's Theme, uh,
0: Latino Heat. Oh, Latino Heat. Oh, and it's got, um, yeah, the Taz theme song, which is a good one.
1: Banging it, the the turn it up one by uh, Too Cool. It's it's uh, this is just it's fantastic.
0: Who Am I? The China one. That one's a good one. Uh, oh, Kurt Angle's theme song. That's a good one. Metal. Mm -hmm. What About Rikishi, but not the too cool song, Bad yeah, Man. Yeah, the Bad Man. I'm a bad man, a bad man. <laughs> I haven't heard that in 20 years, but you say it and I remember. I,
1: I still love when Rikishi uh, turned into like that gimmick. He started wearing like the ripoff Fubu, remember, yeah. with like with like fat wear was written on it,
0: like Rikishi, P- fat fat. <laughs> Look, Rikishi turning heel, even though it didn't fully work. That's essentially what the Usos did, and it did work. Raku- yeah. she tried. He tried starting, you know, the bloodline. <laughs> he did, actually. He did it for the He Rock. actually did. So he yeah, tried, he did. He knew. He was like, this will work. We should Some be of the more team.
1: The best part, too, I don't know if you remember, and I know we're, we're jumping ahead here, but, like, the dirt sheets, when they were talking about how, like, oh, the, the person that was driving the car, was it someone blonde? I think it was originally slated to be Billy Gunn. Oh, no. Yeah.
0: If you're telling me he was mental in King of the Ring, he was going to main event matches with The Rock, he was going to run over Stone Cold. They were like, no, no, let's let's let it be Rikishi.
1: I like the idea that someone's gone, "Hmm, no, (laughs) no. no." And then then they just slide a VHS of King of the Ring 99 across the (laughs) desk. You're like, that's why. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wish
0: there were more clues, and the clues were like blonde hair loves his ass, and everyone yeah. thinks it's Billy Gunn, but it's the other blonde ass guy. <laughs> Rikishi <laughs> stole his gimmick. <laughs> he really, you could have called him Mr. Ass. And yeah. you know what? If you, to someone who wasn't a wrestling fan, you took a picture of Billy Gunn and Rikishi and said, Which of these guys do you think is called Mr. Yeah. Ass? They would tell yep. you it's Rikishi. Yeah even because there was
1: nothing about billy gunn that said mr ass like Ooh. it was like you're right rikishi's whole gimmick was he's got a fat ass like simple <laughs> as that stink face yeah he 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 is an ass man <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to getting back to uh the <laughs> match we're, we're back to jr and king at the desk briefly before austin comes out to a huge ovation Triple H is out on his own without China, and he's got a sledgehammer with him. But Vince, face Vince is like, how dare you get that? Takes it off him, but then gets taken out by Triple H until Austin runs to the entrance to brawl with him and
0: kick off the match. Oh, it is absolutely on from here. This match is your typical WWF main event style of the late 90s. -hmm. I don't even know how you recap it, because it's as silly as all of them and as good as all of them. Triple H and Austin always had good chemistry. Uh, this yeah. is kind of an un like a, a forgotten match because they're two out of three, three stages of hell from no mercy uh, no way out two thousand one is an absolute classic. This one is damn good too. follows the Austin main event formula of the last couple of years. They fight in the entrance. they fight through the crowd, but it's fun. they keep the energy up. it doesn't slow down and get boring. We see Jim Dodson have to escort them through the crowd. And he's yes, earning just... his money here because people are going crazy just trying to touch Austin and Triple H. Austin at one point gets a guy's legitimate crutch, like a real crutch. He just picks one up and starts hitting Triple H with it. It's very fun. And another great spot, I feel like we've seen it before in some version. Hmm. But. Austin gets the boom camera that's at the entrance oh, yes. and yeah. throws it at Triple H. He does a great Triple H sell. Then they show the replay, so you've got the camera on the end of the boom swinging around. You see Triple H just eat shit, just eat just it, yeah. It's yeah, it's really fun.
1: It's one of the, of the coolest things there. As I, um, I'm glad you mentioned his. What was his name again? Because I've just written down here. The WWF head of security that looks like Buff Bagwell. <laughs> Jim Dodson. Jim Dodson, that's it. Yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Too. Um, th- th- so Austin, there's a bit where they get back into the ring. They're still on the outside. Like I'd say 70% of this match yeah. is on the outside brawling. Um, Austin catapults Triple H into the ref from the outside, and they all sprawl into the ringside area. But there is no referee as they make their way to the ring. There's a stun on Triple H, but because Mike Chioda's knocked out there's no count so austin then drags drags him back into the ring but triple h capitalizes there's a stunner reversal that then knocks chioda off the apron triple h hits the pedigree but there's no ref earl hebner comes out and austin kicks out at three so triple h starts like you know getting into push and shove with him and earl hebner does sort of a, a more condensed version of him Cracking the shits. You might have seen that clip of him at a house show. Yeah. um Cracking at the Triple H. He kind of does this on the main show, but obviously without all the theatrics from Triple H.
0: It, him and Triple H would do a version of this quite a lot. Like Triple H, you know, is the rule breaker. He'll use a sledgehammer, but he'll respect Earl Hebner. And them <laughs> shoving each other and yelling at each other is funny because Triple H will back down and be like, oh, no, um it's good. I want to talk about how Mike Kyoto got knocked out, though. Because it's one mm. of the greatest ref bumps I've ever seen. Because Austin and Triple H are in the front row of the crowd. Austin gets Triple H to do a catapult. He catapults Triple H over the guardrail into mm-hmm. Mike Kyota And they both tumble over the rail. <laughs> it is awesome. Like, yeah, Mike Kiyota absolutely deserved his pay this night. But yeah, when we're describing this, the crowd is going absolutely crazy. each man gets it's like nothing we see like they are just going nuts triple h bleeds in this match maybe Mm -hmm. for the first time in a while but it's this is going to be the triple h standard he's going to be in a main event and he's going to bleed a lot so yeah it's a very fun match
1: the action actually spills to the outside uh where JR actually loses his headset and King <laughs> does commentary solo yep. as Triple H gets choked with JR's headset. <laughs> it's good. um Austin even gets suplexed onto the Spanish announce table, but it doesn't break. Mm. It's so good. While well, we're quickly just rewind it back to Mike Chioda for a second, because he, he was in, and uh, he did a really good interview with, um with Chris Van Vliet on the mm-hmm. insight podcast. And Chris pointed out that uh, that he was the referee in uh, Hogan versus Rock. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he pointed out that he was, he does a great job as a ref because in every single shot, he gets out of it. Oh, yeah. You don't even
0: notice who the ref was in that match.
1: Because he always talks about, like, how good is his, like, presence of where cameras are and stuff like that. Because he was just like, in the moment, he's like, this is probably the biggest match of all time. You don't want to see, like, you want to see just The Rock and Hogan. Like, think about every iconic shot mm. always has um just The Rock and Hogan. Yeah. Whereas in comparison, you look at, um like, WrestleMania 12, Earl Hebner's fucking everywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or other modern refs who we won't name names. There are some yeah, who are yeah. like...
1: Yeah, yeah why so, you win
0: all these shots on these. shows? So
1: kudos to to Mike Chioda for not only bumping like a pro, but actually like you know doing his job and like staying silent. Well done. Yeah,
0: he was awesome. Uh, I want to say too, this wasn't just a brawl. When they're in the ring, it's only for a few minutes near the end. But when they're in the ring, their chemistry and back and forth and their moves they're doing, their reversals, blah blah blah, really really good. Triple H and Austin mm. were always good together.
1: It's a shame that that like this is the tail end of Austin like he he was already a brawler after his neck injury but now he's really like sort of feeling the like all of no, all of 98 is coming up to it's catching up with him yeah, now. Yeah, it's catching
0: up with him. And then what's also a shame when Austin came back healthy in 2001 and had legitimately 2001 Austin was one of the best wrestlers in the world cuz he just said all right I'm back from injury and I'm going to go all out and I'll probably mm-hmm. die in this run. Yeah, He wrestles his ass off. He has great matches with Kurt Angle and RVD and whoever, The Rock, if Triple H was healthy in 2001, Mm. The Rock, uh, sorry, Austin and Triple H, that's when they would have met at sort of equal, you know, like athletic ability and everything.
1: There was actually a match, and I remember reading it on uh, on IGN, Um, The Rock, not The Rock, sorry, but um, Austin wrestled... Chris Benoit on a, on an episode of SmackDown. Oh,
0: that match is awesome.
1: And it's just, it's like a technical masterpiece. It's like Austin dialing it back a couple of years to when he was actually like the ringmaster style levels of uh, a technician. So yeah, don't discount Austin. It's, it's so great, which is what makes the next part so heartbreaking because so Triple H is targeting Austin's knee, but Austin sort of gets revenge from SummerSlam by targeting Triple H's knee with the steel chair. The Rock comes out with the sledgehammer takes an almighty swing at Triple H, who dodges it. He takes at Austin. Triple H then pedigrees The Rock onto a chair, gets the win, and retains the title. Um, Post-match, Triple H makes his way to the back, but Austin gives chase. The brawling continues. China gets Triple H in a limo, and they speed off with Austin staring menacingly. This is obviously meant to set up the triple threat at Survivor Series, The Rock versus Austin versus Triple H, but obviously never happened.
0: What a main event that would have been. The biggest main event of the Attitude Era, the three biggest stars. Mm -hmm. Oh, we got close. I'm still so annoyed thinking about it. But yeah, (laughs) heartbreaking ending, but so well done. These are the endings WCW tried and could never do because they couldn't book them right. But yeah, the suddenness of each of those things happening is very quick. You know, the rock, the sledgehammer, the pedigree, the pin. It's awesome. A great main event. We don't get the triple threat that they're building, but yeah, still a, a good show. This show is easy to watch. It's pretty entertaining. And what's good on it is excellent and yeah. iconic and pretty historic. You've got Triple H and Austin's first main event. You've got the good housekeeping, which is China becoming Intercontinental Champion. You've got the first tag team ladder match. So it might be a B show. It might not be one of the big five, um, but a hell of a show for 99.
1: It's funny because no one really ever talks about this pay per view. Like everyone always talks about it. As when you re- when you reference WWF No Mercy, ninety nine times out of a hundred, it's the video game.
0: People will say Dip the Bitty Dog.
1: Can yeah. I just say?
0: Well, how about this? All right, and I'm gonna you know, like let's talk about it. Three of these matches were rated in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, and mm. again, please adjust these for inflation to the ease of how you can get a five-star match these days yeah so intercontinental title match good housekeeping china defeats jeff jarrett wrestling observer newsletter gave that three and a quarter stars so for kids listening that's a five-star match by today's standard Uh. you know the terry invitational tag team ladder match wrestling observer Four and a half stars. Do you know how hard it was to get four and a much... half stars in ninety nine? That's a six star match. That's Easily. seven. I'd <laughs> say that is seven <laughs> You're today. <probably> right. <laughs> yeah. And the main event, Triple H defeats Steve Austin for the WWF title. Four stars. Again, you want to give that's it six. Five. That's five, six.
1: That's a five. That's a five. That's,
0: that's that's a five. No, you know what? It's it's one of those five and three quarters mm-hmm. because of the mm-hmm. screwy ending.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: but, So, but- yeah, take it for what it's worth. For 19 99 this is a damn good show. Very
1: much so. Um, So, yeah, next up, we continue our video game theme because the next paper we're going to be covering is WCW Mayhem, which culminates in a tournament for the vacant WCW title. It's Vince Russo's first month where he's actually crafted the book. So that should be pretty interesting. And then, of course, we will check out the WWF Survivor Series 1999. One of the rare months where I think WCW won. I think.
0: If we're comparing it, yeah, month to month, WCW might win. But if we're comparing a show which became a video game, that's the real test. Will Mayhem the show be as bad as Mayhem the game is compared to No Mercy the game? We'll find (laughs) out.
1: We will find out next time. In another edition of Reliving the War, you can check out all of our back catalogue at greywolfentertainment.net. You could even find, um, follow us on the socials and keep up to date. Grey Wolf ENT on, on X, Instagram, and Facebook. But on behalf of Simon Tackler, I've been Nibs Azor, and we'll catch you next time for another Reliving the War.
0: This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network, greywolfentertainment.net.